0: 702 Masterclass Gareth Newham is in studio head of the governance crime and justice division at Institute of Security Studies crime and justice program and he also happened to have been one of the voices in the documentary Gareth thank you so much for coming through I was so fascinated by the figures that you were dropping in that docu but before we get to those numbers let's start at what you do And how it is that you are, you know, 20 years in of getting to read numbers, because you're not actually a criminologist.
1: Yes, good afternoon, and uh, it's wonderful to be here. Um, That's right, I'm not actually a criminologist in the the sense that I never did a formal degree in criminology. Mm. Um, My background is more into research, social science research methodologies, primarily qualitative methodologies, but also... Uh, a lot of focus on quantitative methodologies. In other words, how do you get to the numbers? What do the numbers mean? Yes. But ultimately, um, I see myself more as a social activist. I got into this because at the time I was looking at policing, and this was in the sort of 1990s, late 1990s. Yes. And I was really interested in what police have to confront. They were going through a massive transformation process from the apartheid police to a South African police service. Um, and I was very fortunate to be able to work with police officials in Hillbrow, um, Alexander and Soweto and other places and really get a sense of what their lives were like and the work was like. And I was very interested in the organizational culture, because ultimately, mm. if you want to transform an organization, you have to start there.
0: So I, and I think that's such a great point that you are raising, because many people will look back at the apartheid era with, you know, romantic eyes about, oh, the good old days, crime was significantly less back then, right? What did you observe having, you know, done the research in those spaces that was different between what the police had to deal with in terms of their jobs, the capacity, the resources, and where we are now um, um, with the police that we have? Because so many people are like, but the crime kept going up. And isn't it supposed to be better because everybody now is free?
1: Well, uh, it didn't keep going up. The highest murder rate ever recorded in South African history was in 1993, Mm. one year before we became a democracy. We had over 70 murders per 100,000 people then. The next 18 years, the murder rate dropped to 30 murders per 100,000. So it more than halved. It's about a 55% drop.
0: So the idea that we have about things being better back then is not accurate
1: yeah it's not accurate i don't think anybody who really lived through apartheid um can say life was better in apartheid you'll
0: be surprised they call on this show talking about everything worked things were better
1: yeah i know of course and it's it's you know people had different experiences and maybe it's for many people it isn't better yes um uh, but I think the the key issue around policing and how it got me into the broader area of crime and violence was just how difficult a police officer's job is. Um, you know, you go out into the streets, you come across a situation, there are two young men covered in blood, both are blaming each other for what happened. Mm. Uh, you don't know what happened. You went there, there are people standing around, they give you different versions. Mm. Um, you're dealing with the worst Outcomes of various social problems. So when people do commit crime, when people are victims of crime, in car accidents, are in, in the most terrible situation. That is part of your daily job. You're going to see that regularly, yeah. Um, and that creates a huge amount of trauma in the police officers themselves, but also in many for them a sense of helplessness because they only get there at the end of the problem. Mm. People don't suddenly wake up one day and commit crime. We know from decades of research both internationally and South Africa, that the life experiences of people starting from when they are very young, from their first uh, three years of life, hmm. all the way through to young adulthood, is what is likely to be the determinant factor about whether you commit crime, violence or not. Most people don't commit crime. So if you think about it, um, usually around f- 5 to 7% of a population are committing all of the crime. Most people do not commit crime.
0: But I'm just interested in how you differentiate, right? Because some there are people who are committing crimes but don't consider themselves as criminals, if you get what I'm saying. So maybe they are even disconnected from the conversation we're having. They don't consider themselves as those individuals. So when you speak about people committing crime, are you talking about that guy who wakes up every day like, where am I hijacking? If I need to kill somebody to get the car, I'll do it. Is that what you mean? Or you're talking about anybody who breaks the law?
1: No, I'm talking more about, I should be clear, Clear more about violent crime yes. that would be recognized by the state as a crime. In other yes. words, violent hijacking or assault or murder or rape or something like that. Yes. Um, it's, it differs according to the kind of categories. So if it's criminal violence, in other words, you are taking a gun or a knife to steal from somebody. Yes. It's very different to getting into an argument and in fighting and hitting somebody um, and injuring them seriously, whereas there could be a criminal charge there. Um, of course, that proportion which becomes a crime statistic is, is is quite small compared to the overall level of violence in South Africa. Yes. Our most accurate crime statistic or the least unreliable crime statistic is the murder figure because it's far more difficult to hide bodies and there are there are other systems that track uh deaths, such as the national injury mortality monitoring system and all deaths have to be reported and the cause of death. So we when experts have looked at that. They say, okay, well, most deaths um, that are in the police reports are found in other independent systems. Mm. Um, But most other crime statistics, most violent crime statistics, such as assaults and rape, for example. Don't get reported? Yeah, most of them don't get reported, less than half. uh, And when it comes to rape, um, in a very small proportion, actually get into the police statistics.
0: And, I mean, Brenda touched on the fact that um, it it took a landmark case for rape in marriage, for example, to be recognised. To this day, there are still women who say there's no such thing as rape. If my husband wants to have sex, that's what it is. So, what we want to do: open up the lines. 702 double one, double eight three, oh seven, oh two, oh seven, two, seven, oh two, one, seven, oh two, and hear all of your crime, violent crime stories. Mummy, in Newtown. Hi. Hi. Um, my husband was
2: step to death in 2015. Hmm. And, um, I, 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 I think, and I think now he's, he on me. And my, my, my son who was 13 then, um, he, he, um, he's always, uh, looking out for us. He's, he's like, he he's always looking out for his sister when he's playing outside he's so kind to us and he of course he 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 did um um a karate training hmm. which really helped his discipline but i i worry about his um his his anger because i can see all uh, uh, the, uh, the things he's doing he's more protective
0: mm, mm. and 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 i can't imagine what kind of a ripple effect that 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 might have on you have has he gone for therapy mumti
2: yes i, I did in 2015 I I, I, I I actually did but um <laughs> it, it 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 just doesn't go away relatively it, it's always a
0: mm, mm. mumti thank yeah. you so so much for sharing I mean, Gareth, this is one of the many stories, and I think uh, um, um, we underestimate the ripple effect. So now you've got the young boy, mom is worried, his dad was murdered, possibly he was witness to it. What do the stats usually say about young boys in his case where, um, even if the family's not saying, you're the man of the house now, but he's taken on the responsibility of taking care of everyone. He's sitting with that pressure.
1: Yeah, there's studies into what are called adverse childhood experiences. In other words, very negative and often traumatic experiences that people have before they turn 18 years old. Mm. Um, And they are clustered into between 8 and 20, um, depending on how you categorize them, that can happen. And the more of those adverse childhood experiences you're exposed to, the greater chance you have trauma, and the greater chance uh, you have towards that trauma influencing how you behave, how you relate to other people, the extent to which you're able to regulate your emotions, um, confront difficult emotions, deal with your emotions when you get into an argument mm. and so forth. Um, it doesn't mean that if you've been exposed to many of those that you will necessarily uh, commit uh, uh, violence. Mm. But the risk factors are much higher, 15 to 20 percent higher Uh, depending on how many of those adverse childhood experiences you've had. Um, And with males, they do, because of conditioning, because of patriarchy, because of what is expected from males, you were talking about this earlier on the show, um, tend less likely to seek help, less Mm. likely to be able to handle their negative emotions in a constructive way, more likely to turn to alcohol and drugs to numb those emotions. Mm. Um, And that all feeds into what we kind of see now as primarily a male uh, characteristic in our in our violent crime um so when you look at the murders and the from the statistics we know out of every hundred murders 80 percent 80 of those murders will be males 15 will be females and five will be children most mu- most murders are of males and most perpetrators are males and most women who are killed are killed by males often in you know, about two-thirds 60 percent of those cases by their intimate partners So it's very much a a factor that uh, we need to take into consideration, that it is a male characteristic. Not all males, not even most males, but a lot of males, far too many.
0: S- significant enough um, for us to be having this conversation. So I received a WhatsApp that was saying, and, and I know we are talking also people's stories and that not everything is necessarily your expertise, um, but there is a question, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you, know, you might have some, some stats or actually some information from studies, saying most men are raised by single women, does that does what does that dynamic add and i know the documentary touches on the fact that during apartheid many men were ripped from their families which left all of these you know single woman homes in inverted commas children raised without fathers and that had some kind of impact and even in the times we're living in today there are many single headed homes where men are not there to raise their own children Do the numbers say anything to that?
1: I haven't read specific studies that will say if you come from a woman, a single woman-headed household, you're more likely to be violent or commit crime. But or an absent father
0: household. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly, absent father. But I think it does um, have a a, a, a various negative aspects. Particularly, I think when young boys start becoming teenagers and they're looking at other role models, yes, they're looking for another male. To behave like that male. Hmm. Um, and if that's not a, a father, which is usually a much older male who might have calmed down a bit, has been experienced, we do know that, for example, violent behavior in males drops off very sharply around the age of 40 onwards. Um,
0: and so prior to that, it's...
1: It's quite high. So it, wow. it's, it's highest in the sort of late teens, throughout your sort of 20s into your early 30s, and then it starts really dropping. By the time you're sort of 40, you mostly um, are not going to be... Too violent, or a lot of people who were violent stop being violent. Um, so, if you don't have that male presence of somebody who's not a violent male in your neighbourhood, in your family, your primary, you know, mm. caregiver, socialisation, how you see the world and how you expect yourself to act, and you start looking at other young males for um, guidance on how you should be, behave, you're probably going to think that you don't back down if somebody challenges you. You need to stand up to them. You're going to kind of start believing that certain kind of Uh, behaviors are desirable in men and those behaviors are typically likely to make you think that you need to use force or violence or the threat Mm. of violence to solve problems deal with conflict whether it's your girlfriends or other acquaintances or friends
0: all right let's go to lawrence in soweto hi lawrence hi lawrence garrett 702
3: family Mm. you know it's such a touch. It's such a touchy topic. I've been making a while at work, driving up and down between the trees. But I felt I I should just also give my my two cents worth. You know, I'm also one of the victims that survived three uh, house robberies. Mm. through uh, Through the grace of God, I survived them. But I think the other thing that helped was also to go on the offensive mode instead of being scared. It actually helped me. To survive the last house robbery where four guys went came into my house gun blazing and when i rocked up thinking maybe my wife coming late from work in the meantime strangers in the house and i grabbed the vase and they backed off they thought they was my wife was still in the house i still said no i bring the firearm bring the firearm they started running out that's how i survived the last one mm. but i think the, the the other contributing factor is the lack of proper investigation in our uh, criminal procedure and the t- t- types of detectives that we've got. Because in all the three cases, my three cases of house robbery, they never even came back to me whether they were successful or any leads, even though there were fingerprints at the door, butler and the door, nothing, they never, never came back to me. Now, to add fuel on fire as well, I've lost several, I think about three guys that were shot. Cold-bloodedly,
1: mm. and
3: out of them, Doctor Khoboka was one of them. He was my family doctor and a friend that schooled with my wife. There's still no leads in that case.
4: Mm. There's
3: Dumisane, I can mention them that passed on last year, it's two a year before that. It was one Brashini and a known guy in Orlando East. that used to uh, have a, a, an Afrofishy deal. that was shot also cold-bloodedly. Mm. Uh, uh, I think it was Regents Park. And if at the end of the day, we
0: all end up in, in a dark mode and, and, and I think lauren sorry, sorry to cut you. I just want to us to maximize time and give Gareth a chance to respond yeah, to you. Yeah. You know, on the one hand, yes, we're mad at the S.A.P.S. because we're like, do your part, lock up these guys. But I also hope we are addressing the fact that how did we get here? Because chucking a whole bunch of people into prison, is it going to solve the issue? And thank you so much for that call. So um, you do touch on this, Gareth. Um, Why? Uh, let's start at the part of S.A.P.S. and their job. And is that going to solve the issue of the violence?
1: Look, the South African Police Service has a, a vital role to play. It's not the only organization that has a role to play, but it does have a vital role to play. Once you have organized violent groups, whether it's uh, gangs, uh, violent taxi associations, violent organized crime, people are now decided that in order to get, uh, to exercise, or to get benefit, to advantage, to eliminate competitors, and they are now actively using violence as a tool of what they do. Um, similarly people who commit house robberies people yes. who are then targeting houses looking for houses to target and going into steel and they will do this over and over again until they get caught or they get shot uh, that's when you need the South African Police Service you can't expect social workers and nurses and teachers and people to deal with that because it's too late then mm. and if those resources are used effectively it will have huge results in Gauteng Between 2009 and 2011, they set up 22 task teams to only focus on house robberies, business robberies, and car hijackings. And using crime intelligence and uh, mainly detectives, managed to reduce those crimes by 32% for hijackings, 20% for house robberies, and 19%. For business robberies because they were able to identify the specific networks and individuals that are committing these crimes and trading and stolen goods that came out of the robberies. And through targeted interventions, we were able to increase the arrest rate quite substantially, Mm -hmm. cases to court and so forth. So the police can bring the violence down, but it is much more than that. We can't police our way out of the situation. Um, so we we do need to put a lot of pressure on the police to improve their performance The ability of the police to solve murders has dropped by half, 50%, more than 50% in the last 10 years
0: Wait, as in, wait, say that again, the ability of the police to solve murders has dropped by 50% yeah. So they've become a bit more incompetent
1: Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's not necessarily a competence issue, there's various complexities It's about mm. resourcing, training, mm. morale, strategy
0: Um, They
1: themselves are traumatized. Yeah. So, yeah, the detection rate in 2012 uh, was around 31%. In other words, they were solving 31 out of every 100 murders. Yes. And last year, they were solving 15 out of every 100 murders.
0: Wow.
1: So, we do need to see big improvements in our policing. With 180,000 personnel and a, a budget of almost 100 billion rand, we should not see the murder rate going up. And it has been going up every year for the last 10 years. It's almost 40% higher the numbers of murders last year than it was 10 years ago. So we we, we can't say that the police have no role to play. They have a critical role to play. And and we need to see police reform as a matter of urgency if we're going to see any improvement. But at the same time, in the longer view, if we start now with violence prevention programs that are based on evidence, in other words, they've been tested in different communities, they've Mm. seen how they work. Most of these are actually targeted at young people. Uh, children, you know, toddlers under the age of three up to the age of seven, t- uh, childhood, uh, uh, sort of school going youth. There are many of them that change attitudes that enable caregivers, whether parents or grandmothers or whoever those caregivers are, to have better relationships. Those programs, me, uh, have shown incredible results. Some mm-hmm. of the earliest ones going back into the 1960s. Show that just social workers visiting families, often single-headed, household-headed families or families that are are in in, in particular difficult neighborhoods, those kids who have had that benefit of a social worker working with a caregiver to make sure that the caregiver knows how to do positive discipline, not using violence or corporal punishment and so forth. And they've tracked these kids until the age of 19 they're typically not only 50% less likely to be arrested getting to fights, they're more likely to stay in school, more likely to get better jobs, less likely to get addicted to drugs and alcohol. So, if we had um, invested more, for example, in social workers in South Africa, because between 2002 and 2012, we employed around 70,000 more police. The organisation of the South African Police Service grew from 132,000 personnel to just under 200,000 people in that 10-year period. In the same 10-year period, we had a shortage of 60,000 social workers. Wow. Had we maybe invested more into social workers... We might have seen a much lower crime rate Because as and I say, the, the, they, they help you address The factors that cause children and Young adults to have trauma that can Lead to them behaving in certain ways that are Antisocial.
0: Oh, we're going to pick up on that Note and that is how we are very Reactive and not proactive With preventative solutions As we continue this master Class on the crime stats that uh, You may have never heard of uh, Sheila, in four ways I see you Also please continue to share your Crime stories, how they've affected you, oh, and the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. 702 masterclass we continue with our masterclass on crime and the statistics that we don't hear about with Gareth Newham and Gareth we obviously have been taking calls as well 011830702 and the WhatsApp line 0727021702 let's go to Sheila in four ways hi Sheila hi nebhile how are you good thanks and you Good, thank you. Just regarding
2: those statistics, um, probably incorrect statistics because as a wife of, uh, well, the, 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 um, the wife of an ex-wife of a husband that actually sexually assaulted her, I was told and advised not to report such because otherwise he would have lost his job or he would lose his job. Was this by and, the police? Um, no, by an attorney actually.
0: <gasps> wow.
2: So it's a case of keep your mouth closed and shut because otherwise if he loses his job um, and being a housewife, how on earth are you going to afford to send the children
0: to school, etc., etc.? So,
2: yeah, we sort of just get on with it and um, we don't say anything about it.
0: Yeah, Sheila, my heart is so broken because there's so many dynamics. There's so many t-
2: like us as Yo,
0: well. It's so many. It, it happens in marriages and it happens by the people we think we can trust. Yeah. I I don't even know what to say to that Um, um, but thank you so much for sharing Sheila thank you for sharing these are the realities Gareth is that when a woman wants to go and report violence in her own home she has to consider what are my children going to eat to the point I have heard of many women who speak about being raped as children by a stepfather by an uncle and then when you go and tell the parent who's supposed to protect you, they're like, but what will we eat if this man gets
1: arrested? Yeah, violence within homes and uh, families is highly underreported. It is a small fraction that actually get out into formal statistics. And rape generally, sexual crimes generally are very underreported. There was a, a sort of national figure that came out quite a while back that said only one nine rapes nationally get reported to the South African Police Service and in some communities that's as low as one in 25 rapes so uh, we know that for the for various reasons most victims uh, most women victims of sexual violence and assault domestic violence do not report their cases and so that when you see these statistics in the police Um, That is just a small proportion Of what's actually going on in our society Mm. And that's another reason why policing Can't solve that kind of problem on its own It is critically important that uh, People who rape others, men who rape Women um, or people who Rape other people Must be held accountable, they must be able To face some real uh, justice But that's only a very small Proportion, so if you look at the number of cases Of rape, say, reported to the police Only about between uh, four to eight percent end in a conviction um, For various reasons So we really need to start looking at changing um, Attitudes towards sexuality and Particularly male attitudes to women and, and consent And that has that happens at a young age And it happens in our schools Which is another reason why we need to look at our education system How do we What do teachers say in doing classrooms uh, or What kind of programs can be brought into mm. classrooms That change young men's attitudes to women But also young women's attitudes to men that they don't expect some of this behavior because for some women that's just a man being a man um, but if women stopped accepting this uh, would not go out with men that have behaved in certain ways that would also have an effect and there have been programs in places like Kenya and Uganda that have shown that a six-week course can have a huge impact mm. um, on young men and women's uh, attitudes and changes their behavior so much so that uh, you do reduce huge levels of domestic violence
0: All right, um, uh, some of the messages that are coming through. Now, here's a question. Farai is saying, since Gareth Newham studies crime stats, which clearly show that far too many more men than women, about seven times more, get murdered daily, can you please explain why is it that there's more emphasis on ending the murder of women than tackling the real source of the problems, the the brutalization of men? Okay, I thought he was going to say the brutalizing by men. Um, men who've been brutalized are likely to also become brutal themselves, is what Farai says. I obviously have my own thoughts because my view is, well, even though men are murdered more, they are murdered by men. But why is it that the emphasis is on protecting women in the messaging?
1: Well, it's not an either or. It's right that we are focused on gender-based violence and that we take violence against women and against children very seriously. I think where there's a huge gap, though, is we're not taking enough, uh, putting enough tension on male violence against other male violence. Mm. So if we want to reduce violence against women, and often violence against children, we need to address male violence, mm. male and male violence, because men who get into violent altercations with other men are also highly likely to get into violent altercations or use violence against their intimate partners, mm. women and children. Um, and I think... We don't as a country, which is remarkable given that we have one of the highest murder rates in the the, the world, we don't have a clear murder reduction strategy. We don't have a multi-sectoral, in other words, different departments, even including civil society, private sector, who've come Mm. together and said, how do we address murder? Because it's not a random um, phenomenon. 12% of all police precincts in South Africa record 50% of all the murders.
0: So as in... The 12%, let's say there were 100 police precincts and only 12 of them have half of the country's murders. Yes. Which are are some of those areas that you could highlight?
1: Yeah, so you would then look, obviously you would start focusing there and you would start looking at, in in those precincts, when we've done point data analysis, in other words, you've looked at 10 years of murder data, where the murders took place, in places like Kailiche, you see between three and six hotspots. In other words, particular locations where, va- where much higher numbers of murders take place. This is not unique to South Africa. Crime is just not a random thing that happens. Yes. Are, and then once you know that, then you can start looking at what are the factors? What is driving the murder? Is it gang violence? Is it alcohol abuse? Is it What is it? And then that helps you understand who do you bring in. If it's uh, robberies, in other words, house robberies or street robberies or car hijackings that are driving murders in a particular area, that's very much a policing issue, as I mentioned earlier. It's, mm. it's organized criminal violence. Only the police can really deal with something like that. But if it's young men getting drunk and getting into a fight and killing each other, that's a that's a needs a far greater number of role players, peer counseling, social workers, it, teachers need to be on board, parents need to be on board.
0: Do some of these areas have a high percentage of taverns in like a small um a square meter or a kilometerage?
1: Yeah, yeah. So there's there's issues to do with alcohol outlets, there's issues to do with um uh through roads, in other words, people walking from a transport node, home, or from a tavern to a a, a home place through a transport node. So there's various ways in which you can start looking at what are the factors addressing that. Um, And it is quite astonishing that we don't have a national murder reduction strategy that is updated every year based on the latest evidence available, not only in South Africa but internationally, and that guides what the police do and what our various other government departments and what civil society organisations can do and what... um, Businesses can do yeah. uh, because, because people don't know what to do And it's not that there aren't very Practical things that could make a massive Difference, but we need Our government, whose one of its Primary responses, is public safety To take the lead And that's something that's not happening
0: Alright, uh, we've got a voice note that's come through Okay, I've said it before, I say it all
2: the time Reporting A crime in South Africa To the South African police It's just a formality for the case number, and then you get a docket at the end with that one page, and the case is closed. I know 10 women, 10 women that I know personally, my mother included, were murdered in this country. No investigation. Police come as if it's a, you know, social visit. There's nothing to show in the docket at the end of the day. So, yeah, we are on our own.
0: Bye. Mm. speaking to um, um i think many south africans feel that way hi i also think it's very important for all of us to stop telling little boys that they are the men of the
2: home when there are no men i just think it's so wrong personally i tell my nephews if they visit they are not the men of any home here
0: yeah? they are the kids and kids are to be looked after Thank you. Thank you so much. That's a very, very important one. Abdul in Randberg. Hi.
5: Hi. How are you? Good. Thanks. And you? Okay, man. I just wanted to raise something uh, in a different dynamic with Mm. regards to the crime stats and maybe abuse to women and that kind of stuff. Um, You know, I think we need to change our policing the way we, the way police handle people who come to report crimes and an interaction with the community or law-abiding citizens. You know, in my experience, I had a few times where, you know, the, the intimidation by a police officer when you are reporting a crime or when you need help, it puts you off. And people are afraid to report crime because of what they are going to receive in terms of backlash from from from, from the police. You know, I had an incident where somebody was in an accident and we required the police on scene and a man was dying. And a long story short, we were over an hour waiting for help Mm. and we were the people helping the guy. And when the policeman came, he was vulgar and pushing everybody away. Yet we were the people trying to help. Mm. And when we go to the police station to report anything, um, you know, you get treated like they are the law. You know who are you, mm-hmm. and they, they don't want to help you, and it's no more serve and protect. And I think that's something that needs to be changed, is the attitude of policemen and people who are upholding the law to actually be more user-friendly and nurturing and caring and sympathetic when these type of things come to their uh, space, mm. if you know what I mean, mm. instead of being so intimidating. Thank and I you think we've so- lost that.
0: Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Abdullah and Randberg. I want to bring this back, Gareth, to um what have you observed or interpreted from the data are some of the issues that we may not have considered with our police i mean yes we know they're under resourced i still don't understand that i walk into a police station and there isn't a single computer that we're still writing statements down files go missing we all know those stories depending if you live in santon or alex the police might not come what are the problems maybe we aren't aware of that are bringing us to where we are even though we have almost two hundred thousand men in uniform
1: Okay, I think the the one problem that I think most people are not aware of is, as I mentioned earlier, how difficult it is to be a police officer. And it is more difficult now because the police system is deteriorating. And I gave you some figures about how far that deterioration has happened in the last decade.
4: Hmm.
1: Um, So what we've seen is the ability for the police to solve murders, armed robberies, all violent crime has declined massively. Ability to plan, to make sure that you're buying forensic kits for DNA to prevent backlogs or whatever it is in the police, those systems are not working effectively. We've seen massive procurement corruption in the police. Um, we see a leadership at war with itself. Uh, we've got 174 generals running the South African Police Service, and they are all not at the same level of understanding what needs to be done. They are not necessarily following a clear plan. There is a police plan, but it is not something that people are being held accountable to. And it also has the problematic aspects to it. So number one of the big sort of uh, guiding strategic objectives is stamp the authority of the state. Hmm. Now, any democratic policing agency to be effective has a number one priority as being build public trust in the police. It's a very different way of understanding what your job is. When the po- public trusts the police, they will give police information. They will work with the police. They will take, they will take guidance from police.
0: They will, give they will leads. protect
1: the police, exactly. They yes. will donate things to the police to help the police do their jobs better. Only 27% of uh, people over the age of 16 say they have any trust in the South African Police Service, according to last year's uh, South African Social Attitude Survey by the Human Sciences Research Council. And that's that's the lowest we've had since democracy started. So we need to see our leadership in the police because there are brilliant men and women in the South African Police Service. We work with them. I I know many that I've been very impressed with and see as as mentors Mm. and leaders. But there are too many people that should not be there. They've been recruited in for different reasons. We've seen massive Politics. political interference. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's one of the single biggest toxic elements. So what that means is that police officers on the ground in police stations are experiencing these traumatic ev- 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 uh, events daily or weekly, regularly. Mm. They're not getting the support to deal with them either because of their own attitudes about what they, you know, they're tough. They shouldn't be crying. They shouldn't be, should be able to mm-hmm. handle this thing. But the South African employee health and wellness uh, structure at the national level, I think they've got like 60 psychologists for like hundred and 60? Something like that. People trying to look after 180,000 people who are experiencing incredibly difficult and traumatic experiences. So mm. what, what we, we don't see in the statistics is that real trauma and difficulty that most police officials have to face with very little support from an organization. And when they look up to the, those earning the biggest salaries and have the most authority, they see people getting involved in corruption. They're seeing people not looking after, resourcing, not providing the kinds of support, guidance, and morale, and not behaving in a way that a professional police officer who cares about public safety and has an ethos of service to their communities, they don't see that uh, always at the top echelons. So we need to see fundamental reform, and a necessary first step is the rejuvenation of the top leadership of the South African Police Service. This is something that is actually a recommendation in the national development plan of 2012 that recognizes a serial crisis of top management in the South African police service and puts in place various recommendations for dealing with this. None of that has been addressed. So here we are 10 years later, and we see massive deterioration in the policing system, which is putting incredible pressure on men and women at the front line of policing, and their lives are are very difficult, and the morale is extremely low. Mm.
0: Okay, we've got Vuyo in Edenvale. Hi, Vuyo.
4: Hey guys, um, yeah, I just wanted to add my experience to, to this whole process because I was once, um, a victim to a house break in mm. where um, I had, I think there was like five guys who broke into my family home and they were busy raiding. So there was a, a back room where I stayed. And what happened is that when my dog notified me that there was people inside the house i immediately called the cops but luckily the butler door wasn't um broken the hinges weren't broken or anything so i locked them inside the house so in the process of calling the saps they were asking ridiculous questions like so what are they wearing you know what what are they taking i'm like guys i'm outside i've locked them inside." if you guys were to make it out here in time because they usually had patrol cars moving around our area um like thirty mm. minutes but that day there was none to be found
0: yo voyo, what a, a, a tough one what we need to do is take a quick break and then we'll get gareth's thoughts 702 master yo I'm so so sorry about not managing our time correctly and I'm seeing a WhatsApp message that says but there's no alcohol in the Muslim community they're in gated estates why still the gender based violence and they're speaking about men um, in that community watching too much pornography and so many of you sharing all of your violence and crime stories complaining about how the police have done nothing and I think we've touched quite a bit on what the problems are I'm not even going to ask you about the Minister of Police. Um, Yeah, let's not go there. But where we are now with the numbers we're sitting with that you are aware of, what would you say the next steps should be and how can civil society and private um, um, companies be part of the solution? And I don't know if it's a good thing that we all have. We have so many security companies in this country. I don't know if it's a good thing.
1: Well, it's an indication that people have lost trust in the states ability to provide Safety, so then those who can afford it move into the private sector. And so it's not seen as a good thing internationally to have too much private security. Private security are there to serve their clients, not improve public safety for the whole country, although they can play a role and obviously want to have public safety for everybody. But um I think we just need to understand that, there, as I said earlier, there are things that we can do. If all of us take interest in our children, if we make sure that we don't exhibit behaviors that we don't want to see in our children, we help them to learn to read, Things like literally helping your child to learn to read from a young age reduces violent behavior, funny enough. We don't know why, but it does. Um, There are practical things that every person can do uh, to help um, the children in their life. And why I'm talking about children, because we've seen for the last 10 years this big increase in murder and and it's increasing even further in the last uh, crime stats. We must start looking in the long term. Mm. We're not going to solve this problem overnight, but if we start... Uh, looking at how do we make life better for the people that we can make better around us, that can make a big difference. The private sector can, there's a a huge body of evidence that shows that when violence prevention or evidence-based violence prevention programs are offered in workplaces, uh, it reduces absenteeism and increases productivity because Mm. in South Africa particularly, there's so many employees that are suffering from trauma, from domestic violence, and they don't know how to cope with this. So if you provide that Uh, opportunity in imagine if all 2 million people in the public service could get access to that you'd have better teachers better police officers better nurses and doctors and so forth Um, so we need to start thinking about that not only in the public sector but in in the private sector so it's one thing is we must demand improvements in policing that's a short term fix if they can fix the police can be fixed I believe Mm. but we also need to start looking at non-criminal justice issues we need to start looking at what can I do and um, there's lots of things that we can do.
0: Why is the death penalty not the solution?
1: 1,200 people a year get killed in vigilante action in South Africa. There are no countries that execute that many people maybe China might do something like Mm. that and it has had absolutely no impact on reducing crime. So with the state kills alleged criminals or communities kill alleged criminals, there is no evidence that the death penalty deters people. What deters criminality in people who want to act cri- uh, commit crime is the certainty of getting caught or being held accountable. Mm. So if we could say, well, we're not going to give everybody, anybody death penalty, but we're going to increase the detection rate to, say, mm. 60% for murders, which is not unre- an, an unrealistic uh, uh, thing to do- achieve in the next five years, we will see a reduction in murders.
0: Gareth, I wish we had much more time than what we do. And thank you to all of you, the listeners, for sharing your stories. Um, Some of them very personal, very painful. And I hope you you do what you can to find the healing. But I completely echo what you've shared. We need to start in our homes with the conversations, with how we speak, with how um, we are behaving in front of children that are going to mirror what we do with what we expose them to and simple things like you say, reading to your child, allowing your boys to cry, not putting too much pressure and responsibility on them. Um, maybe we need to look at a possible part two because there's so much that we can share. Gareth, thank you. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us.
1: A great pleasure. Thank you.